Well, hi, friends. This is Rick Lawrence from Vibrant Faith. I'm here with Dr. Nancy Going, whose role at Vibrant Faith, by the way, she has maybe the longest title in the history of titles. She's the Director of Research and Resource Development. And now she's the podcast queen. So here we are together today. You're listening to the podcast, Family in the Faith. Uh, it's a new podcast. This is our third episode. And on this podcast, what we do is encourage and guide discouraged ministry leaders. who well, maybe you want to see your ministry and community thrive. Like that's at the core of every ministry leader, isn't it? But it's easy to get discouraged. That's why we're here. We're here to form community with one another and learn and grow together. So uh, if you're, if the way you're doing ministry today doesn't appear to be working the way you wish it would, that's why we're here. We're here to share practical tools and stories of hope and encouragement for you to keep living out your calling, but in a bit of a different direction. And that direction is relationally focused and home-centered. So the, the way we refer to this is family You have to say every syllable carefully there. family it means that we're not only focused on the engine of generation of faith formation in the home, but also we take that same approach in all of church ministry, that it's all about creating a family environment. So we're really glad you're, you're joining us today. We're excited about today's episode when we'll be talking about how and where to begin familying the faith at your church. Yay! And for episode number three, we've invited uh, Denise Utter to join us. And Denise is one of our all-time favorite Vibrant Faith coaches. Uh, Denise has been working with churches in parent ministry for over 20 years and just in church ministry for almost 30. And that's why we asked Denise to join us today, because she has all this on the ground experience about where to begin helping your church move from programming to familying. So welcome, Denise. Well, thanks for having me, Nancy. Yeah, it's um, it's really fun for us to get to do this together. <laughs> We're wondering, can you start out by telling us a little bit about your own family and one thing that you did at home with your own kids that seemed to have a long-term impact or connection with their life of faith? Yeah, I have uh, three adult children with my husband. We've been married over 33 years. Uh, two of my children are married, so add a son-in-law and a daughter-in-law to that, and an amazing almost two-year-old grandson. And, you know, when I talk to churches, I talk about the two things they say have greatest impact, faith practices and faith conversation, God talk. And, you know, I've thought about it recently in some of the conversations that I've had with church leaders. And I think for myself, for our own family, it probably began with how my parents formed me in faith. In that, and I talk a little bit in my book, my dad taught me to ask questions, not by telling me, but by me watching him. But my mom, it was through just the way she looked for God everywhere. And we would do walks. I've thought recently because she passed away this summer and I keep thinking, you know, you go through the memories after and wintertime, if it would snow late at night and it was quiet and dark, she'd say, you want to go for a walk? And it'd be like that still quiet snow time where you can hear the crunch of the snow. And it's like the veil between the worlds is so much thinner because it's just silent. And we would have these conversations about God and about the world and blessings and struggles. And I just remember those times so vividly. And I think that 
caused me to kind of do a similar thing with my children with prayer walks and road trips. We, you know, look for things and where you're connecting this spiritual being to real life stuff. And I think so often that's the mistake we have in, in church world now is, you know, it's not connected to the grit of life, the mess of life, the chaos. And so for us, you know, even prayer time at meals, it was the high, we played highs and lows and turned it into prayers, you know? So I think that's the thing that even as they've become adults, it's those prayer conversations. It's the being open to where they are and where they're struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that's just really um, wonderful to hear because that's just so real and I also think doable, you know, part of what we're trying to do here is pull out the things that are actually just can be in the um, the weaving together of daily life uh, that people have. And I think many times, both we as ministry leaders and as parents think this is a, just a way to um, formidable task, right? Uh, this whole passing on the faith thing that we can't possibly do it. And, and we know from uh, all kinds of experience and research that, that those just the, the kinds of things you just described are really important. So yeah, thanks to That's really awesome. Nancy, isn't it funny that as like, we're all longtime ministry leaders, but when we just naturally start talking about our own influence in our own kids' lives, we are not talking about church-based programs. When we talk about it, we're talking about other things that we did, and we're all people that created church programs in one way or another. So, and it, and it spent a lot of time, a lot of time supporting and yeah, and making those church programs happen. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think an interesting way to, k- to kind of kick this off, Denise, is to uh, for maybe the two of us can camp a little bit on what the church is doing now that we all know can't keep functioning this way. We, uh, I was li- As I was listening to you talk, I was thinking about that cliched phrase that I've heard forever, that these important things have to be caught, not taught. And we know that intrinsically, but then we go out and reverse that. We, we think that it's not the catching that matters. It's really what we're teaching that matters. And, and, um, and I think some of that is because the church doesn't have much of a template or a model or a precedent for doing something that is more embedded in people's everyday lives than it is a program that you can oversee and manage and have metrics for in your church. So from your perspective, um, why, why can't the church just keep on functioning the way it has for so long? Well, it's funny. So many of the conversations I have, everybody's like, you know, COVID and people aren't coming back after COVID, but this is just accelerated. You and I both know, Nancy, you know, from all the research, what's been happening for the last couple of decades. Um, I think we can't keep doing it because if you just look around the church, it's changed. Um, and after COVID, it's not just the young people not coming back. Like everybody always expects those that have gone off to college aren't going to come back. But boomers are one of the biggest groups who are not returning. And so I think a lot of it is that we need to start listening again. And we don't have that template, like you said, for program. We're all programmed. We don't have a template for how to do this in recent years. But I think if we go back to scripture, there's a lot of wisdom of, you know, put placing this on our children's hearts and and really living in in 
in families, that familying uh, word that you keep saying, passing it on from family member to family member through stories. Yep. Yeah. What's interesting is I, this just popped into my head that um, maybe I, I can hear whether the two of you resonate with this, but with this problem, let's let's call this the problem of of uh, I, I say what's happening is God is pruning the church. Most people refer to it as a decline in the church over the last two decades, but a pruning means that God's got his gardening shears out and he's clipping stuff off. Um, to try to make the church a healthier place. But but typically when we hear that that's happening, our first thought is, oh, we've got a marketing problem. We need to, we need to market ourselves differently and provide different products because the, the families don't want the product we have right now. So let's think of a different product and we need to market it better. I think that's where we immediately go to. I was just with a, pa- a lead pastor today of a very small church, and he was telling me, you know, they don't they don't hardly have a children's ministry or a youth ministry anymore. They just have very few kids, and his his church board is resisting him making some changes to how they're approaching these two things because they don't want any change. But I tried to say to him today, you need to help your church board understand that your church is going to die if it doesn't shift the normal way it's always done things to something different because you don't have any young families coming into your church right now. They, they see a big stop sign at your church because there's nothing, you know, there for kids. And, and so he wants to, to change, but he's having a hard time making that change. What are, when you look at churches, Denise, and you think that they need to shift, Nancy's going to talk a little bit in just a second about where to begin, but what overall, what are the broad themes of shift that you think are necessary for the church to start thinking about. Yeah, I think, you know, when you say the word pruning, I think too many leaders hear that and they think that's a pruning away of the people. You know, like we're going to be a stronger church because we're a smaller church. And I don't think that's the pruning that God's doing. I think it is this pruning of the way we're going to, you know, transmit the faith to the next generation uh, a pruning of programming, a pruning of the things that we focus on. Like you said, even in the beginning, we focus too much on on the program and not the people, the content, the teaching. And I think it is going to be connecting in relationships. And although many people are resistant to change, without that change, I mean, all of the recent research keeps saying without the change, the church may not die, but it's not going to be a life-giving institution. Um, people are finding God and relationship and community elsewhere. So we need to figure out what it is that that is attractive, not marketing-wise, but just relationship-wise. Move from that focus on, you know, program to focus on relationship. Move from that idea of, you know, marketing something, serving something, to empowering people to living it. So, yeah, I think it's a pruning, but I don't think it's a pruning of people who aren't living it out. I think really, you know, you and I have, you you all and I have discussed this, that maybe the millennials who started the disaffiliation and those who are now deconstructing and dechurching are actually like, you know, the mystics, the desert monks of the early ages telling us to look elsewhere, you know? Yeah, they're being, they're being prophetic and we hear it as complaint. But actually, if we shift our lens a little bit and hear it as as prophetic, a prophetic word of the church, and we understand and listen to what it is that's dissatisfying. I have to say, I'll just throw this in. Um, I'm I listen to young people a lot, 
And what they are dissatisfied with is a church that is thinks that what they're supposed to do is uh, provide TED Talks for ways to live your life better, and they want more of Jesus. And so the, ch- the church is giving them a meal that is not filling. That's what, that's what the young people that I talk to say. But it's interesting. We're at this place now where, well, where we take our first steps. So Nancy, I think you're going to explore that a little bit. Well, yeah. Uh, and just to kind of um, riff off of what you were just saying there, Rick, uh, I, I think that's with our whole familying focus and helping churches to family. Yes, more of Jesus. And we're going to re- receive that through um, through deeper and richer relationships with one another. And um and that, you know, I think we can we all see that the kind of the superficiality of relationships at church are often why people are just like, well, why, why would I bother with this? Like I need, I long for something deeper and, and something that is spiritually connected. So, Denise, like where in your experience did you begin? Like, like where do you begin to um to help the church make this familying move. Yes, we want to spend a lot of time talking about um, homes and what you did there, but we we also need to see our churches as either um, embracing this kind of uh, relationality, family relationality, or yes, a big movement. So yeah, that's a long question, but when, like. Where did you where did you begin when you began the move into family ministry? So for me, there was an invitation from somebody who was connected to a church that I had just become a member of. Um, I had moved, I think, seventeen houses and changed churches, and my whole neighborhood was this church. And they invited me to become a part of this committee because they knew I worked with young people and that's families and did it. And I was like, you know, no, I'm looking at going back to work full time. I really don't. But the more they talked about the approach that this would take, the more I was like, yeah, maybe I'll go to just listen and be a part of the planning, but like, I don't want to implement anything. Like I'm new here. And all of a sudden everything was shifted and I became hired by that church to then become the one who implemented this change. And I have to say the first, you know, that first initial um, shift towards family, we made a gazillion mistakes. You know, we decided we were going to change everything. We did not create enough of a leadership team with shared vision within the parents, the ministry leaders, et cetera. We just, you know, the pastor wanted that we were shifting and we were doing it. And in the process, we created a a program where we were talking at parents and, you know, quote unquote, teaching them what they would be teaching home. And what my pastor quickly taught me was to listen to li- because many people were resistant to this change, you know, like, Rick's talking about this leader that's resistant or the board that's resisted. We had some people who were coming in and just yelling at the pastor. And I'd never seen any, you know, and I had been a, a teacher and a youth minister and people primarily liked me. So this was very, very unsettling for me to have such conflict. But he taught me to listen, to invite every single one of those people who were complaining into the office, invite them into conversation, invite them to the board meetings, go out in the parking lot to talk to them, to not avoid this at all, 
because by listening, we were going to create a better program. And it was through listening that we learned we can't sit there and talk at them. We need to, you know, throw out a little bit of a, a spiritual topic, a faith formation topic, and give them an opportunity to talk to each other. And then as we learned how to do some of that facilitation, there was such magic. All of a sudden, they were building relationships. We were having to become vulnerable to talk about our own lives because they were talking about their lives. And so there was such a shift in um, we're going to teach them to becoming partners in forming their children in faith, to becoming partners in this, you know, spiritual process. You had to let down some of your walls to begin to see um, new things happening. And it was, it was a lot of back and forth and changement for seven years before it really dug into, oh, this is what it's going to look like. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That, that's yeah. just such a great example of, uh, of, you know, what it takes and, and just the movement of it. And so, so those seven years later, what were some of the fruits that you saw? Some of the fruits were, we learned how to, um, how to hear the wisdom from the parents. You know, in the beginning, we were so worried about this was a movement so you could include parents really so you could teach them so they could be teaching at home. And instead, it became this really a relationship with them and learning from them and them learning from each other so that, you know, when they began talking about, you know, we'd throw out some things that try this at home, you know, and the next time they'd come back and they'd be able to share with each other. And some ideas that they had had long time from their own families, even if they didn't think they were raising their children the way they were supposed to in the church, they had such incredible wisdom. And the way we were then able to affirm parents in what they were already doing, um, affirm parents who in the beginning thought, gosh, I don't want to do this. I'm a single mom or I'm a single dad and you know, I'm divorced and there's going to be all these other couples and everybody just breaking down those barriers of what it looks like to be that parent parent that's teaching their child faith, that it's, it's a parent, it's any parent, it's all of us trying to do it day in and day out with all the, again, all the chaos that, that the way you are a mom, the way you are a dad, the way you're called into that, um, you're already doing it. You're already, my, my pastor really shared like you have as parents, a better chance of becoming a saint than I, because the way you all have to sacrifice for one another every day in a family, um, the way you're forgiving, the way you're healing one another, the way you're praying for one another, even when you're struggling with faith, if you have a sick child, wow, those prayers come out. So it, it just, it, it, we all became a family of families as the church is called to be by, you know, sharing those stories. Yeah, that that's so exciting to hear. And say a little bit more about the relationality that grew among those families, because I think that's what we're trying to get at a little bit here today with um, with thinking about how familying is a church process as well as a home process. But what, like, what happened among people that you saw uh, seven years later? So one of the things we heard, because when we first started the programming, it was, okay, we're going to keep having kind of classes once a month. And then the next month we do this experiment where we gather all the families together. You know, they get to choose from multiple times, et cetera. Well, we knew after the very first one, that's not what it was going to look like the next year. So as we began to listen, by the time we get to that seventh year, one of the things that 
really resonated with folks was this opportunity to kind of plan their own faith formation, or at least a part of it. So we implemented a program that we called Explore Four. It was four times throughout the year that they were going to choose from things that were already happening within the life of the church. So it could be something that was social, like a parish picnic. It could be something that was devotional, going to Stations of the Cross. It could be something that was a learning process. Or even if it was a retreat for mom, that could still count because mom, here's some tips on how to go home and take that experience into your family. And this resonated so much, it became, it's still a consistent program in that church today because people not only chose according to their schedules, the age of their children, their own spirituality, they could choose peace and social justice or devotional, they could choose any, any number of things, but you also had this opportunity to connect them to other people in the community that were on fire for whatever area it was that connected to that parent or to a child in that family. And you didn't have to run it all. You didn't have to be there. It's the way the church was already living out the faith, the lectionary year, the liturgical year. I mean, all of it was was there for the family to participate in. And we had families reflect on those experiences and share those experiences. And then we'd get permission to share them, either through the bulletin or newsletters or in a panel discussion at one of those parent sessions. So they were becoming the storytellers of the community. And that was huge. That was absolutely huge. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So let's talk then now. Let's move this. And Rick, yeah, pick it up. I was just going to I was just going to jump in there and, and say, looping back to the the thing the the where this thread of the conversation started, which is what are first steps. I want to like really highlight the first step that you you talked about was listening. And we're involved, the three of us are involved along with others in a project called Fourth Soil Parenting right now that this project is four years of trying to plant experiments like the ones Denise is talking about through ministry leaders into homes. Um, and we started this whole process by asking churches to first listen to their parents. And we all know, the three of us know here that one of the common refrains from the churches that were doing this is we've never done this before. We've never had a set aside time for two hours at a restaurant where we just engage parents and ask them what's going on at home in the way that you connect uh, with your kids around faith. We have never asked parents this. And that might sound shocking, but to ministry leaders and churches, you're probably nodding your head right now saying, yeah, we haven't done that either. And, and it's powerful what happened just when these churches listened to parents, some of which said to us, hey, we've not only never done this before, but we need to start doing this. Like, So it, that's what strikes me that the first step is really, and you highlighted that really well, Denise, it's not only strategic, like you're, you're not a bull in a china shop. If you listen first, you, you'll have a greater sensitivity to where you need to go. Um, so it's practical and a, and a win-win in every way to start out by listening. But uh, let's end this with talking a little bit, maybe in a kind of a strategic way, Denise. You've just shared some ways that the, the lens here is to always figure out a way to connect with the home. Yeah, and that, that's what I heard in what you said, that you shifted your lens so that you were always thinking about how do we connect with the home. 
just maybe if you could take a minute or so of what, like, what are the barriers and challenges you found in doing that? And maybe some wisdom you had in learning how to get around those barriers and challenges. Well, I think one of the one of the barriers just right up front is this in many churches, maybe it's not everywhere, but I've seen it in our when I was starting out in this and then in a lot of places that I've coached, there's often an us them kind of relationship between ministry leaders and parents because the parents aren't getting them to church or the parents aren't making this a priority, they're letting them choose sports or the parent, you know, so it becomes this um there's some animosity before you can even begin the relationship. Parents don't trust you. You don't trust parents. And and Nancy, I saw a little bit I, just in social media. I haven't gone into the whole article yet, but your article that talks about, you know, we complain sometimes about their schedules, but have we asked them about what that's like to be living that? And I share with leaders like that idea of building those relationships once we started listening to parents. Um, it becomes really hard to complain about, well, they'll they'll sit on that soccer field all day on Saturday, but they won't come in here for a meeting. When you realize the relationships that they're building with those other parents and you realize the support they're getting from these people, and we haven't offered them that space or that support in any way. So I think one of the barriers is that us, them. And then I think for other leaders, as we begin talking about it, it goes back to what you said in the beginning, Rick, they don't have a template for it. So where do you begin? How do you do this? And I tell leaders, if you start with one thing for next year, let's build a plan for three to five years. But if you start with one thing, change the way you meet with parents in the beginning of the year. Too often, we want to bring parents in to talk about a program, and then we read them the handbook, or we tell them the list of rules, or what they have to do and where they have to be. And what we did was change that initial meeting of the year to be focused on their children because that's our common thing. And that's how you can build a relationship. If they're focused on their kids and you're focused on their kids, let's start there. And we would um, just have that initial meeting where we gathered them around round tables and started asking them to talk to each other about their children. You know, how many kids do you have? You know, what's one great quality about each of your kids? And then we'd start talking to them about parenting, you know, like, what most surprised you about becoming a parent? And they would share funny things like how little sleep they could go on or how the kids learned to push the buttons to really, really just very heartfelt um, blessings and struggles. And then we'd go on to, you know, simple questions, not about their own faith, but what has your child taught you about life? What has parenting taught you about faith, prayer, God, you know, just life? And, and as we came out of those, they were having those conversations with each other, and then we'd pull it into large group. There were so many threads that connected us all, blessings and, again, also those struggles. And I think that's always a place to start. If you can start there, then the other stuff's going to, you know, the program stuff, they can read a handbook. Um, they know you care about them and their children if you, if you give them space to also make those connections and tell each other their stories. It's so good. And, you know, as we close off here, I'm, I'm thinking one thought that just keeps coming back to me as I listen to you is it's also shifting the lens for, from a ministry leader's perspective from this is a big burden for me to figure out how to do this and influence them to an opportunity. And I think that's really important, too, that what you're describing is a profound opportunity, not a ministry burden. And you'll and the fruit that you get from it is is self motivating as you make this shift. Yeah, because you know, 
one thing that I share is like, if you have that pie graph, you know, you have one circle that you take one slice of pie out. If we look at the time that we have with their children, that, (laughs) what did that do? You get like one little tiny line, like a hairline of a piece of pie. If you look at the time that we have with a child over a year. But if you partner with their parents, that goes up astronomically. It just, it is exponentially higher, more influence over their time, more, more opportunities to form them in faith if you partner with their parents. So yeah, absolutely an opportunity. Yeah, so good. And uh, before we let you go, you mentioned your book at the beginning and we didn't name it yet. Do you want to just give 30 (laughs) seconds on your book here? Just real quick, Engage Every Family, A Parish Guide to Integrative Faith Formation. And it's integrated because it's home, church, and the wider community. And then the little parent booklet that goes with that is Faith Talks, Prayers, and Easy Activities, because it's really just focused on that God talk and faith practices and how we make it too hard, but it could be so simple. So good. Awesome. And people can get your book on Amazon? They can get it on Amazon. It's through the publisher 23rd Publications if you want to go straight to them, but otherwise it is available on Amazon. And it's called Engage Every Family, just to reiterate. Engage Every Family. Yep. Hey, so everybody, thanks so much for joining us. Denise, this was just a great conversation. We're so grateful for your just diving in deeply to what this looks like and how to begin to make these changes in the life of the church. So thanks for joining us on uh, this episode of Family in the Faith. Now, I want to just take a minute to talk about the takeaways that we have from uh, Denise's conversation. Some of the things I heard, and I think I would love for you guys to explore some more is the simplicity of what Denise talked about with her relationship with her mom and the prayer walks and talks that they did. This is not rocket science. This is basic daily life. And Denise even talked about a multi-generational, like she did this with her mom and then she did it with her kids. And just to take look around for some of those experiences that you have uh, with your own family, but then also that you can encourage the families in your church to be Um, having with their own children. So that's one takeaway is just the simplicity of a practice. Then, as Denise talked about churches hoping to implement changes like this, she said, we have to start with listening. And I think that is just a key learning for us uh, as ministry leaders and as people who are in a different phase of parenting, right? So it is really critical for us to listen to people who are currently in the trenches and parenting as they talk about their lives and talk about what's possible, talk about the pressures they feel. Absolutely critical for us to help them and their life of faith as they go forward and parent their children as followers of Jesus. And then the third one, I heard her talking about was the wisdom of parents and listening for the wisdom of parents as they are seeking to form faith at home instead of that us them dichotomy. And boy, the fact that Denise named it like that, I think is just very real. And um, it doesn't take long in conversations with ministry leaders to, to start hearing that us them dichotomy. And that's one of the first things I think that we need to take away from a conversation like this to not let that be where we stay. Please subscribe to the the Family in the Faith podcast and rate it and review it. And as a reminder, this podcast is going to continue to come out every other week on Tuesdays. And 
If you think this episode uh, uh, where Denise is really helping us look at some of the ways a church can begin to family the faith, uh, if you think that'd be helpful for another ministry leader that you know, we'd love for you to be able to share it with them. And just to know that we are here to help you take your next faithful step. Thanks so much for joining us.